episode of the Double Down Podcast. Whether it's makes, boots, or cycling the human face, we're your home for all things re. I'm your host, Will, and joining me from the spooky land of Sweden, it's my co-host. Coolish Jam. And from the Bone Star State is our other co-host. I can't live without drugs. <laughs> Boom. Oh that's a, that's my Halloween character, guys. Yeah, it's scary. yeah. Can't live out without uh, drugs guy. It's and it scary. is our Halloween episode, so it's very apropos. Uh, Byron, what did you go for? Uh, did you dress up this all? Yes, as a man addicted to drugs who can't live without drugs. You know, that's scary. That is terrifying. Addiction is a scary thing. So did you mm-hmm. wear like a, a, a silk shirt and like bell bottoms or something? Or yeah, did you just no, go? I, I went around giving sexual favors for drugs. and Really committed. You're like methoding this Halloween costume. Yeah. It scared. I scared people. I was very aggressive. <laughs> Sounds frightening. Yeah, it's terrifying. Jimmy, do they have Halloween in Sweden? Um, well, I mean, they don't quite, but I did go to a bar where they uh, they put up cobwebs. I, I, for some reason, I just imagine Sweden is a country where they still dress up as the Joker from The Dark Knight. That's the most popular Halloween It's costume. surprisingly kind of. The uh, bartender <laughs> did have kind of, like, he wasn't going full Joker, but he did do, like, a sort of zombie clown makeup thing on his face. That looked like it took him 30 seconds in the bathroom after his manager told him he had to. Ah. And it did have a little bit of a Joker vibe to it. Do they call mm-hmm. it Halloween in Sweden? Uh, yeah. It's not like, they don't have, ki- kids don't go around trick-or-treating. They just have it okay. because they're aware of American culture. And, like, people don't really dress up in costumes very much. It's just kind of like, they decorate bars with some cobwebs and say, it's Halloween, let's get drunk. Because they have, like, weird, shitty holidays over in Sweden, like, block. Where we all eat goat cheese for the week, something like that. No, that's no, that's nice. no, that's offensive. We need holidays like that over here. <laughs> goat cheese themed holiday. Fucking I don't know. Block. I don't know anything about fucking Sweden besides the Swedish chef. So, what what kind of holidays have you celebrated since you've been over there? They have Midsummer, which is a pagan holiday. It's one where they have the maypole, and uh, it represents uh, fertility and fertilizing the earth. Oh, kind of like the Wicker Man, the movie we watched. Yeah, but it's a whole country. And night does <laughs> oh, no. not fall in the summer. So bottom line is these people are socialists. Uh, these people are <laughs> absolute pigs. Boring you can't, pigs. You can't, let, you can't let Ron just get yeah. onto a sides about socialism again. He always does this. You know, I you can't help it. make everything you know, political, Ron. Looking at these people makes me sick. They, they all look the same. They all are the same height. They all eat the same foods. It, it makes me sick. Ron, you should start like an InfoWars type. Like, you could be the next Alex Jones. You should start like a, yeah, a web show. I could see that. No, I'm ready. What's your first topic? What would you address first? Yeah, it would be what the would Swedes. I mean, if I'm on the Swedes right now, what do they have? They have the Swedish chef. They have Ikea. They got Swedish fish, yeah. which is the worst candy. The cheap clothing chain H&M is from here. Great. Um, they color beige. They eat reindeer. I'm running out of things. 
<laughs> yeah, that was quick. And they have that shitty holiday where they run around a pole with ribbons. Yeah, but that's that's fun. Whereas we have cool holidays like Halloween, right? I, it's cool. I, yeah, I guess. Did you dress up this year, Jimmy? No, no more so than usual. What does that even mean? It just kind of always look like zombie John Candy. <laughs> okay, yeah, you do kind of look like John Candy who's peeked in at the Ark of the Covenant and your face is melting a little bit. Yeah. But not, yeah, not all the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, what was the most like popular Halloween costume in Sweden? I'm like fascinated by their adoption Dude, of the culture. Dude, I didn't, I just told you, there weren't like kids dressing up or anything. There was just, all I saw were like bartenders. Who are dressed up. Maybe it's just a bartender-themed holiday for all we know. Yeah, maybe. And they were just ghoul. You know, the the guys are ghouls and the girls are cats. Ah, boring. Fuck Sweden. I'm with Ron, actually. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm switching over to Ron's extreme side. Sounds like Halloween is just an excuse to drink over there. Another uh, acceleration of the alcohol-infused uh, exactly. society. And as opposed to over here, where it's a, a true celebration wait, of wait, no, no, wait, 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 wait a minute. I am not going to let ron chastise me in sweden when i've had to pull a giant stuffed lion off of his naked drunk body because he kept trying exactly. to run out of the house i've been there i, I know the you know the, the sickness that alcohol induces and i'm absolutely you know i'm like a islamic imam that you know used to drink and cavort with women and is now absolutely against it wait an islamic mom imam no, i mom it's like I, ipod but uh oh, I'm hi, mom. I'm mom. I buy an iMom. She like reminds me to like wash behind my ears. It's like Alexa, but annoying. Why are you bringing up your ex-girlfriend and how she used to tell you to wash behind your ears? <laughs> she was obsessed with that. That's why I broke up with her. Like, back off. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's get into remake news, of which there is none. So let's skip it. Unless you guys have anything. No, I've got nothing. Yeah, the only news is that movie remakes are dying. Right, yeah. I mean, there is like a trend from last week where most of our remake news or all of our remake news is just stuff getting canceled to now. There's like nothing going on. Yeah. It does not bode well for the cast. The best news that I saw was the Quantum Leap creator wrote a movie reboot script. <laughs> so, I mean, we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. To be fair, here. he's been rewriting that script every year since the show got canceled. <laughs> Yeah, it, he just now got it out there and got like a fucking article written about it on Screen Rant. So good for him. Uh, but yeah, let's move on. Let's get to the fucking movie we watched this week. One of the best horror movies of all time. Banned by the British Film Board, dubbed the Pornography of Terror. Inventor of the last girl trope of horror movies. The one, the only, the 1974 Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh man, fucking love this movie. I could, yeah, I could understand why you're so excited about it, because yeah, this was incredible. Oh man, absolutely incredible. It's like a minimalist painting. It's like the Picasso of horror movies. It is. It uh, bests all odds, really. Like, because you go into it, or at least I did. It's like from 1974, so of course it has that look, and it's like low budget. Like this random amalgam of fucking B actors, not even, and then they make this fucking amazing horror movie. Practical effects, man. If you have a low budget and you've got to make some, like a horror movie or an action movie, then you just have to try so much harder to get cool shots to make it like epic. And because you have to try harder, it turns out better. 
when you have like you can rely on CGI and all that stuff, the, the movies just aren't as good. Yeah, exactly. And it was insane the way this movie came together because it was budgeted at like sixty thousand dollars. I watched the making of documentary, which is pretty entertaining if you get a chance. But it was budgeted at sixty thousand dollars, grossed estimated thirty million dollars over the course of its run, but. What's crazy is the people that actually made it, like the actors especially, only saw like $5,000 of that. That's like pretty normal actually. So for example, the, uh, what was that? Paranormal Activity was made. I think that was yeah. made on something like $10,000. And what they did was the, the the contracts for the actors, which is probably what they did with this, and probably is how all like little super tiny budget films work is that no one's interested in any royalties because it's unlikely to make any. So all you do is sign up for like some flat fee. You know, that was it. Right, yeah. But these guys got extra fucked because they did have points on the movie. So they were expecting to uh, get a huge payday. But it turned out they had points in a certain company, which the production company that made it had to sell most of their points, most of their shares to a larger company to keep the movie afloat. And that larger company was a mob run. <laughs> it's classic Hollywood accounting. This, this, you know, it probably happens on more movies that people don't get the profits. Like Forrest Gump, uh, Lord of the Rings technically didn't make a profit because, uh, you know, Hollywood accounting. And, you know, I don't, I, I don't I'm like not the way you said Hollywood accounting, Ron. Why don't you say what you really mean? Listen, it, I'm not going to say who's responsible, but it rhymes with the juice. <laughs> okay. Are you saying O.J. Simpson is responsible <laughs> for this? I mean, he's committed no. a lot of crimes, but money laundering, he's Ron? A, he's a bad guy. You know, he is de And he got framed because of Hollywood accounting. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so he didn't actually kill those people. He's just he got a shady accountant. As payback, you know, for all the movies he screwed, all the all the profits, you know, that didn't go to the producers of these movies. <laughs> oh you heard it here first. Well, for anyone who hasn't seen this movie, it's about two siblings visiting their grandfather's grave in Texas when they run out of gas and have to go to pretty much to a random farm that uh, a bunch of psychopaths live in. And it's they a get simple plot. It, it, yeah, it is yeah. a thirty-second. You don't a ten-second plot. It's punk rock. It is. That's, you know, I came in expecting a really amateur film in Texas. You think it's shit, but you know, it's all solid. Yeah, it fucking holds up one hundred percent. It was so good, and I watched a few of them. I watched the second one, which is more like a parody of the first one. It was kind of like a dark comedy, like still pretty good, but not great. The original, compared to like a lot of the later ones, which I had seen in the past, is definitely just again, it's like. Part partially about the practical effects it's about how like little they had to work with and how much scarier and real that made it all actually feel. <laughs> exactly exactly so like when listening to or watching the fucking uh, making of documentary it was hilarious just to hear how terrible the fucking set was and like what a nightmare it was for the actors so my favorite scene and probably the most iconic scene in the movie uh, the family dinner scene where they basically have the last girl tied up yeah. at the dinner table and all of the creeps are like I, I don't know eating raw meat or something and then they wheel in grandpa which by the way I, I hope to someday have a family that respects me enough to bring me young girl's blood to suck on I mean I, so, so there's one detail I do want to bring up just before we uh, keep going because it sounds like yeah. you slide over it and that's that uh, Leatherface has makeup on his mask oh yeah and he's kind yeah, of yeah. wearing like a dressy thing 
So it's like right. this other weird, that, like that's just such a small detail, but makes it so much weirder and creepier on top of it. Uh, they were talking about that, and he like puts on different masks for different roles, like he has. Yeah. So like he puts on for like a nice dinner, he put on a shitty tie, and he put on his like woman mask with fucking makeup. Yeah. But yeah, so that scene took 17 hours to shoot, and it was like 101 degrees in there, no air conditioning in this fucking old house. And the set dresser, who was like a really eccentric dude and, I mean, killed it in this movie. It was fucking amazing. He made all the bone furniture and, like, the fucking the yeah. chicken coop room was creepy as that shit. That stuff's crazy. But anyway. Who was that? That he, was based he, off of somebody. Was it Ed Gein? Yes. Oh, that's another thing. It was based off a real serial killer, Ed Gein, who made fucking skin furniture and yeah, that, wore people's yeah, skin. Yeah, those parts. The bone, the bone furniture and that skin stuff. Although, I think Ed Gein only killed, like, two people. He just robbed a lot of graves. I thought he had a, the nipple belt. And he had a nipple belt. That's true. That's fun. Oh, man. That, he, yeah, that's he was like a styling it. guy. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. That's a lot of nipples. That is. To make true. a belt. That's true. Imagine your belt, Jimmy, how many nipples you would need. Uh, ballpark it, if you would. Um, well, you know, it depends on the size of the nipple, and they come in all shapes and sizes. Yeah, that's but, true. Um, I would say average 627. That is a lot of nipples. I think it's got to so. be a thick belt. Yeah. Well, it's only 300 people at least though but, but uh, in this dinner scene on top of it being super long and on top of it being hot as fuck it was also melting like the carcasses that they had uh, all the lights were like melting the carcasses and the fucking crazy eccentric set dresser had brought in a bunch of dead dogs just like a, a truckload of dead dogs to put around the set so i mean you can imagine that smelled like shit and then like they ended up not using the dead dogs so they (laughs) took them out back and and they're like we got to get rid of these fucking dead dogs so they decided to throw some gasoline on them and burn them so they had burning dead dog smell in this fucking house for uh, 18 hours or so okay so so like method acting is one thing but this movie was like entirely method produced yeah it's like fucking kubrick level abuse it goes the the pain that goes in this movie it shows it shows it's like apocalypse now Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and it invented that horror movie trope uh the last girl it invented a lot it invented the slasher i mean pretty much all these halloween freddy versus jason that's that's all thanks to this movie they actually also said it was based off of a true story which is absolutely false oh yeah it invented (laughs) that too so they did they did invent the guerrilla marketing thing there but so basically we're saying that this movie pretty much kick-started the horror genre as we know it today but therefore if you follow it back a step Ed Gein fucking invented the horror genre. Because, like, without Ed Gein digging up bodies and killing people and fucking making nipple belts, this movie would ever would have happened. And therefore, well, like, none so of think, the other movies that we It's a little more complicated happened. than that because only some parts were taken from Ed Gein, right? Like, so the bone furniture and, like, the leather face stuff, that stuff was. But, like, the whole, like, weird, creepy family that basically, basically Deliverance ripped off. The creepy-feeling, yeah. like, southern, incestuous, backwoods family, hick, crazy motherfuckers. Like, all of that stuff, right. that's not Ed Gein. So I think it was based off of a lot, actually. Yeah. I think it was, like, the hippie nightmare because it was about a bunch of hippies in a van. You know, I, true, and I was yeah. thinking... Scooby-Doo is pretty much like the fantasy version of this because there were some real (laughs) Scooby-Doo-ish characters. There really was. Whatever the Jewish guy with the fro. Yeah, he was uh, a total shaggy. Alan Danzinger. Yeah, he was a total shaggy. Oh, yeah, the main guy was a total Fred. Yeah, so this is basically like fucking X-rated Scooby-Doo episode, which is great. 
That's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> so all the remakes that have come out so far have been so shitty, but that's what we do here on this podcast. We pitch remakes that fucking sell, baby. So let's get into the pitches. I, I won last week, so I'm on a bit of a streak of one. But I think, Jimmy, you should go first. Yeah, so, yeah, like Will said, there's been a bunch of remakes. A lot of them aren't very good. I sort of think, you know, if you're going to remake Texas Chainsaw Massacre in current Hollywood, you're not going to be able to capture the 70s magic. So you're going to just need to be a little bit more creative, I think, and retell the story. It's going to have to be a reboot rather than a re direct remake. So uh, I'm going to start off with there's going to be this deputy sheriff of a Texas county somewhere near the border with Mexico. Oh, not Canada? <laughs> <laughs> there's Oklahoma border. I don't know. Um, hmm. Anyway. Yeah, okay. So basically there's going to be a bunch of mysterious disappearances going around and she's going to be tasked with trying to figure out what's going on with the disappearances. She hears some right. rumors having to do with a cartel. There's some, it's kind of known that there's a drug cartel operating in the area. She goes and talks to her boss about getting extra resources for trying to solve this thing and it's super shady. He's like really weird about it. So she figures, oh shit, there's dirty cops. They're in on it. They're probably taking kickbacks from the drug dealers. So she's going to go outside and she's going to get extra help. She gets extra help from a retired former homicide detective from San Antonio. And so then they're going to start tracking things down and they come and they, they're going to find a house. And in the house there's going to be bone furniture and weird skin things and you know body parts everywhere, a lot of the horror stuff. And they're going to find a body and out back in, a, in the smoker where it looks like they were burning the bodies. They find a burnt map that's got locations of like warehouses and stuff on it in the local Texas County. So then they take that, they go out to, uh, you know, the only warehouse they can see. Turns out there's a bunch of cartel people there. They shoot it up. Ooh, yeah, I like that. So at this point, it's like cop drama, feeling David Fincher E7. And they end up taking in the cartel leader after, you know, a nice big epic shootout. They got the cartel leader back at the sheriff's office. They start questioning him about the dead bodies and the disappearances and like all the bone furniture and he looks really confused. He doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. And then the sheriff comes in and it's like, what the hell are, you know, is that retired guy doing here? Get him the fuck out of here. Yes, he's out of here. And then yells at the sheriff. And just then all the lights go off. They grab a bunch of flashlights. They're like, what the fuck? And they go back into where the cartel guy is. And the cartel leader has just got, like, a fucking knife through his chest. And then they're like, oh, fuck. And his face, his face is, like, peeled off. And then... Yeah. And then, so there's, like, a couple other deputies, right, in the station. So then there's, like, a whole crazy scene of them, like, figuring out what's going on in the station, running around. And all the other deputies are getting picked off one by one by some crazy motherfucker and wearing the cartel leader's face on his face, right, like, stabbing him. And then eventually, the main deputy ends up shooting the guy and the guy wearing the mask in the knee. Right, runs out, mm -hmm. calls uh, the retired guy, her partner, to come pick her up. He picks her up. You don't know what happens to the guy who got shot in the knee, the like leather face dude. And she, right. uh, she sort of, you know, falls asleep in the car as he's gonna drive her to hospital. She wakes up. The guy's not there anymore. The uh, her partner, and she looks up and it's just it's that house with all the bones and the skin it and stuff and then right. she sees the guy the guy with the cartel leader's face on his 
coming out. And so she tries to get it out of the house. She tries to get out of the car. And then she sees her partner. And her partner just knocks her out with a crowbar. She wakes up again. She's tied up in the living room of the house. The guy's like, mm. her partner was in on it the whole time. Her partner, this other guy, they were going around and picking people off and killing them. Her partner uh, then gives like a weird, creepy speech about the whole thing, uh, about how he, he wasn't really a great homicide detective after all. He really just covered all those things up and the whole time he and his friends were killing people. Then he sort of decides he's gonna get up and uh, pick up some uh, wine how, or something. How long is this pitch? <laughs> he goes to pick up some wine. Yeah, Wait, to have with what the, uh, the fuck? Tea to drink while they eat her. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so, a bit of uh, Silence of the Lambs going on. Yeah, or nice whatever. Maybe it's beer. Maybe he likes beer. I don't know. So then she's left alone with Leatherface, basically. Leatherface comes over and is sort of untying her from the chair because he wants to put her up on uh, the kitchen table so he can butcher her. And she's struggling, but really he's too strong. But then she remembers that she shot him in the knee. So she sticks her hand out and shoves her like finger in the bullet hole. Hmm. Now, is, is Leatherface uh, circumcised or uncircumcised? Okay. So then he does that. Does he take other people's foreskin and put it on his, his circumcised penis? Sure. We'll have a scene with that. Anyway, then he, <laughs> <laughs> then he screams in pain, falls over enough time for her to grab a knife, and she just shoves it in the back of, like, the corpus callosum. So it's just sticky. The knife's just sticking out of the back of his neck. And he just kind of falls there on the ground. Should have been the, the medulla oblongata. And, the, and then the yeah. sort of... Uh, You're right about that, Rod. And then we see her, and she goes out back towards the shed, not out the front door. The scene cuts. Then we see the uh, her... Fo- now what? Wait, 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 wait. What, what color is this shed? Uh, it's uh, sheet metal and a rusted kind of, you know... Mm. Mm, greenish no it's the wrong answer well, it should be red anyway continue okay. and uh so then the uh, her partner comes up right her partner is then coming up back to the house whistling dixie because he's gonna eat some human tonight and he's got his uh pacazima <laughs> and then he comes in and he, he's you know yelling for leatherface he's not coming so then he walks in the living room he sees leatherface dead on the ground and then he goes oh shit turns around She's there, the deputy, with a chainsaw, and she just digs into his body, cutting him in two. Mm. And then she throws the chainsaw on the ground and walks out the front door. Movie over. Credits. You know it would be a nice twist, though? If she ate them. That seems unnecessary. Mm. Yeah, double twist. And she puts on their face. There you go. she's Leatherface now. Okay, sure. I'm happy with that, I guess. Well, here's my opinion. And, you know, opinions are like assholes, you know. You you poke it, sometimes you get gold, sometimes you get shit. Okay. Most of the time, you 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 shit shit gold. You know, sometimes. (laughs) When when, when I eat a lot of gold. Now, don't stop stalling because I'm about to, you know, I'm telling you, you know, I like your voice. But, you know, it sounds like you took the the best parts out of Texas Chainsaw Massacre out and mixed it with the worst parts of Law and Order. Okay. (laughs) Okay. He's right on that. And what are the awesome parts? As for the pitch itself, uh, you know, it sounds like a, a technical manual. Do I look like the fucking art director? I don't need all these fucking details. <laughs> oh, man. That's just I'm my telling opinion. you how Taking I would remake task, the movie. Jim. My movie is like Texas Chainsaw Massacre plus seven plus like True Detective. It would be nuts insane. So I don't think my problem was with your movie. I'd probably go see that movie. 
I think it's just with how you pitched it. I, if I'm the fucking movie producer, I'm like, what is this dude talking about? Why, why is he fucking going on the way he is? <laughs> Gotta be some fucking I can't remember what he said five it. minutes ago. How does he keep going on? <laughs> what Drug is his cartels. <laughs> what? I got fucking drugs to do. I got I got hookers to bang. This reminds me. I have to do some coke and kill a hooker. <laughs> I got to fucking jerk off on my plants. This dude needs to wrap it up. <laughs> okay, look. I came up with a great idea for a film. What do you got, Will? We'll let our judge decide. All right. Finally. All right. So I totally agree with you, Jimmy, that how many times this movie's been remade and how many times it have sucked. The only way to do it is to completely reboot it with a fresh cast of characters uh, and just try to capture lightning in a bottle again like they did with the first one. So I'm saying a, a group of five high school kids sets off from San Antonio to the swamps of East Texas, not West, to assist in Hurricane Cindy relief. So it's basically like high school kid tropes. I mean, there's like the leader who just wants to do the right thing. There's a best friend the who wants to get know. drunk. Yeah, exactly. And then there's two girls. One of them's the leader's girlfriend. And then there's the little brother of one of the girls who's, like, forced to go along. Exactly. But anyway, so um, they arrive at, like, a weird kind of sketchy relief center building. And they get their assignments and tools and directions. And they're like, go fucking to this house and fix it up. And they're like, wait, you're not coming with us? We've never done this before. Like, oh, we'll be out there eventually. You guys just go. <laughs> this really is based off of real life. This is fucking weird. <laughs> this has kind of happened to us before. <laughs> this is super but, weird. No, but okay. But they get lost for hours in the back, the back roads of East Texas. And they end up at the right ad address just before dusk. But no one's there. No one's at the old wrecked house. They're scared that they, like the, the people that were going there to help them have come and gone. But they decide to, like, do what they can with daylight anyway and work until dark. And then they get back in the van and somebody had left their phone charging in the van while it was off. Drain the battery. They can't go anywhere without a jump. Luckily, yeah. there's a fucking light on and a creepy old house in the middle of the swamp. The leader's like, I'm going to do it. I'm big and strong. Just kind of <laughs> like in the first movie. So they go to the house, and of course, I mean, that's when the killing starts. Like, sure. Same old, same old shit from the, the original, except this time, you got a whole new cast of characters. Basically, it's like if we go 40 years in the future from the 1974 movie, this is like the new generation of Leatherface, and goddamn have they bred. Because we got a fucking incestuous brood of three women, one man, one grandpa, and five dirty children, ranging from ages like 5 to 14. The man disgusting rat-faced hillbilly that goes by the name of Lonnie keeps a barn full of hungry hogs to feed his victims uh, with shades of Robert Picton going on there. Someone's been listening to the new Last Podcast episodes. <laughs> nice, nice little plug for Last Podcast. <laughs> Alright, so the first woman, her name's Bride, and she's the youngest of Lonnie's three wives. Long stringy hair, uh, four rotten teeth, blah blah blah. Woman number two is Brita. <laughs> she's the one that's popping out all the kids. She's Portly, she's a bulldog of a woman with only a few patches of mangy hair and a distinct mustache growing on her hair lip. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> woman number three is Old Mare, and she's a middle-aged woman with an angular face and backwoods plastic surgery to try to make her w look younger, and it didn't work. <laughs> um, 
The granddad is revealed to be the original Leatherface, but he's now catatonic, similar to the granddad in the original. He's old as fuck and doesn't talk. And then the kids don't have names. They're just kind of thrown in as variables, like when the horror starts, when the killing starts. Because part of it will be like, you never know how many dirty fucking kids are running around this, this uh, <laughs> barn to like either rat you out or, or like stick you with a shiv or something. But basically... <laughs> <laughs> like the idea that the role there is to rat you out. Oh, and they're they're, they're going to be killing these fucking kids too. Like I'm not fucking pulling any punches on this. They're going to be slaughtering children. Yeah. That's anyway, the family will pick <laughs> off the school high school kids one by one uh, until only the little brother of the girl who is like forced to come on the trip is left. So instead of a last girl, a last guy. That's a fun little twist. Anyway, he's oh, hiding man, inside. Oh man, it's like Breedus. Ghostbusters, but in reverse. <laughs> I'm taking steps for the male rights cause. Oh, um, no. <laughs> Can we not? <laughs> so at the very end of the movie, he's hiding inside Brita's fat, bloated corpse because she gets killed in the action. And he peeks out and he sees headlights at the house where they were up doing their hurricane relief earlier. And he makes a mad dash for the house and the remaining members of the family give chase across the swampy field. This is like the, the climax of the movie. There's like five to seven hillbillies all with like <laughs> chainsaws and like axes and just like fucking crazy shit just running after this guy. And just you can just imagine how cinematic that would be. Anyway, he gets to the house. And they make it. He makes it the pickup truck uh, kind of in a nice little homage to the end of the first movie. And bing, bang, boom. You got yourself a fucking award-winning horror movie. Mm. Well, here's my opinion. And, you know, opinions are like gold mines hooked up to a septic tank. <laughs> Sometimes you get shit. Sometimes you get gold. <laughs> but, uh, all right, here's, here's really a metaphor. Not Jimmy's pitch is like he took off, he shaved off a nipple of Leatherface the movie and put it on top of a female cop's body. Will took the whole skin and put it on a child and refreshed it. Thank you. I can't, I can't, wait, was that a compliment? I can't tell. Like, it's not exactly <laughs> obvious to me that you got the compliment ever said. there. So, nipple hats off to you, Will. Hey, thanks, bud. Uh, nipple hats off to you okay, as well. Okay, uh, so like, I, I think the most interesting bit about your remake is just the different cast of Leatherface characters, like the new family. Totally. The other stuff is like, you barely changed. This was like, you know, Double Down <laughs> podcast, the first 10 episodes, where we're like, oh, is that movie in Detroit? Let's put it in uh, Chicago, you know. <laughs> let's do Louisiana the, chase so, let's, Yeah, exactly. But that's fine. <laughs> Why not? Let's, let's, let's start a franchise. Let's do one for every state. I can't wait for the Delaware one. That'll be exciting. <laughs> I like the little children maybe wearing leather faces and doing killing stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, other than that, I don't see how you did something new here. I mean, a completely new cast of characters. Like, that's the fun. That was the fun in the first movie, how fucking creepy everyone was. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I like you expanded the leather family. Yeah. It feels a bit kitschy. It's not about the kids. It feels a bit kitschy. There's no change to the plot, really. All right. Well, let's hear what our friend... You guys got a name for this guy? Uh... Mayonnaise John. Mayonnaise John. Let's see what Mayonnaise John's got to say. Alrighty, so this week on the Double Down Podcast, we're talking about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So uh, diving into pitch one, I love the angle it takes. Um, I feel like it brings a new light to the franchise. You know, we have this young, sexy detective tasked with investigating the disappearances of several people within her community. Um, and the connection with the Mexican drug cartel is a motivator, which I feel really drives this story forward. 
So uh, where I started to fall off as I was reading this pitch was the introduction of Ace. Uh, from the get-go, I couldn't stop myself from thinking that, hey, this guy's either the killer or he plays a big hand in why so many people are disappearing. Um, it was just way too predictable for me. And then when I was really pushed off the plank uh, was when the movie morphed into some sort of high-octane Narcos meets Nicolas Cage meets Tom Cruise and whatever fucking movie you want to fill in the blank with. But uh, even though I felt unfulfilled, overall, I think this pitch has a lot of potential to create a social movement that sheds a lot of light on the drug trade that's running rampant across our southern border. So, ultimately, I feel like after watching this movie that there are going to be so many millennials inspired to link arms across the border and, in unison, give a big, fat Tim Tebow meal to show the cartels that we mean business and that we're not here to fuck around anymore. And uh, moving on to pitch two, I like how it kept to the original film. Uh, I feel like there are a lot of relatable elements in there through Hurricane Cindy. Um, I also think it's really great that we have characters that are just a group of high school kids that are trying to do good and make an impact on a community that's been devastated. You know, as I read this pitch, uh, it was easy to see how um, the writer painted a picture by things started off going really well, but slowly and eerily started to take a turn for the worse. And uh, I also like how the little brother is the only one left who survives. Um, I feel like this could be really well received um, because it goes along and kind of parallels this trend we're seeing in shows like Stranger Things. Overall, I think what both of these pitches lacked was the lack of highlighting what the Leatherface monster is. You know, you think about other horror films like Halloween, you know, Michael Myers. You have Friday the 13th, Jason Voorhees. Um, there are these big men who stand at six, seven feet tall who are these almost demonic monsters who just can't be beat. So I would have loved to see that aspect um, of the character in both of these pitches. Um, so if there's one critique I could make, I would be adding um, that element to both of these pitches. But uh, overall, um, I think after reviewing both pitch one and pitch two, um, the winner this week has to be pitch number two. Um, it stays on track to what the essence of what a horror movie is. It doesn't get into the um, spectacle of gunshots, of Nicolas Cage, Tom Cruise-type films. Um, you're just going to lose so many viewers when it goes to the theaters, at least in my perspective. Uh, pitch 2 is the clear winner, and um, I congratulate you on writing a great pitch. Okay. Well, well, let's thank you very much. Look, I, uh, I don't mind if he picks yours, but I'm upset that he picked yours for stupid reasons. <laughs> like, I, I'm not. <laughs> like I, I still don't even understand. He doesn't think horror movies should be spectacles, which like you clearly missed the point of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. If that's your critique well, of my pitch, I think I think his point was that you were trying to go for some kind of action movie. But that's bullshit, not even true. Movie. There's one scene, and then it immediately after goes into horror for half the pitch. Yeah, that's yes. true. I mean, fair enough. Well, what but, were his uh, other reasons? 
What, yeah, what, what was he saying about millennials and <laughs> drug cartels? Yeah, he talked about like it would start a social movement. I think that was a pro- positive, though. He said it would maybe start a social movement. What would start? Where millennials will link arms across the border to stop the dr- <laughs> drug trafficking. I can't tell if he was being serious or not. He, but oh, uh, God. that's the care. last time. I'm that's the last time we're using mayonnaise, John. Last time. <laughs> Mayonnaise John really used his time. Like he really took advantage of the time he, we gave him. Oh boy! Oh. He, he like grandstanded there for a bit about the drug trade. Yeah, I wasn't sure uh, what was happening. <laughs> but uh, I don't, put I in mean, one plot device two, for a little twisty turny. Then all of a sudden, it's about millennials <laughs> starting a social movement. <laughs> I mean, you never know. You never know what you're gonna get. And like this, this great country of ours is a is a. Vibrant tapestry That's of true. people. You got a bunch of Szechuan eating stupid teenagers out there. Bunch of millennials linking arm across the border. <laughs> Holy shit. But there you go. There you have it. I'm a winner. Two weeks in a row. I'm heating up. That means you're officially Maybe next week tied I'll with go me. On fire. I, are you officially tied with Ron? Ron, did you win? Two, no, I've only had row? one. Oh. Yeah. I've only had one. So do you stay on, Will? Is that uh No, he has to go the next yeah, one. I'm going the next one against you. You better beat him, Ron. Oh, okay. Revenge. I'm ready, yeah. Yeah, knock me off the top. We'll see. But uh, for now, let's go watch the 2017 remake reboot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre Leatherface. We'll be right back to talk about it. And we're back from watching the 2017 reboot of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre titled Leatherface. Directed by Alexandre Bustillo and Julian Mori. Two directors. Two guys. Yeah. That's a bad sign already. Yeah. Good. And it, when you and have it was, a set with two directors, it is it's a nightmare. It was uh, always second guessing each other. It was a Leatherface origin story. I mean, just know that going in. It's about a teenage Leatherface as he escapes from a mental hospital with three other inmates kidnapping a young nurse and taking her on a road trip from hell while being pursued by a lawman out for revenge. Oh man, it was yeah, yeah, not well, good, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> it started off cool. I was like pretty hopeful because it started off with Leatherface as a kid. Yeah, I also think like we should just say like I think if you're going to do an origin story this sounds like a fine one in a way. Like it's a cool idea and premise. But yeah. I do feel like the premise feels a bit like the premise of... Um, it was Halloween. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was Halloween. It was the Halloween yeah. movies where he escaped from an asylum in like a similar way because he did stupid stuff as a kid. Right. He killed Danny Trejo. <laughs> I was good to you. Yeah. I didn't remember that, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. And that movie sucked. We talked about that movie and it was bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just pointing. kind of the same deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just pointing out that it looks like it's, you know, even if in premise you think it's all right, like it looks like they stole it from Halloween. Which is a weird thing to do because that <clears throat> movie was panned by pretty much everybody. Yeah. Because really what it is is like taking the mask off the fucking monster and like exactly. making him a sympathetic right, character. Right. And that's not what anybody wants. I don't want I don't want to feel bad for Leatherface. And I still didn't watching the movie. I was fuck. like, fuck that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just revealing the monster in, in any horror movie takes away so much of the impact. It's like Jaws. Right. Yeah, but like a remake or a reboot is supposed to like build up build from the original source material and make it better but this is just like making it worse because then you go back and you have fucking this stupid movie in your mind you're like oh poor Leatherface hey I bet Manny's John would have liked it given his praise for the <laughs> other origin story movies it is John's busy getting his social movement this is, a, this is a story about mental treatment treatment of mental patients <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah exactly Hopefully we can 
<laughs> been linked together. They did this weird misdirect, and I don't know if you guys caught this, but like there was three people that escaped from the mental hospital along with the nurse, but one of them was like a big six foot something like fat guy. Like he had the build of Leatherface right, from the later yeah. movies. And then the one of the other characters was like a fresh face fucking southern like skinny kid. And the skinny kid ended up being Leatherface. The fat kid got killed. Yeah. And so, like, the whole time, at least I was, but maybe I was just following the movie poorly. I was like, okay, so that's Leatherface, the big bumbling idiot. Because that's how he is yeah. in the fucking rest of the movies. But, yeah, I don't know. What a twist. I mean, yeah, I don't necessarily hate that as, like, an idea. Like, that wouldn't be a bad idea if that was just one element of a larger, more well-thought-out movie. But it feels like when the guy pitched the movie in the room, he was probably, like, that's the one thing he had. Was like He was like, all right, it's going to be three kids, right? And there's going to be a big, fat one, and everyone's going to think that's Leatherface big surprise it's not and they're gonna be like i love it how do you fill in the rest of the the story and he looks over at a copy of uh the halloween remake and he goes uh and he fills in the details from there yeah i yeah. mean it's a cash grab that's the problem with this movie and i don't think it was a very effective one based on how many theaters it was released in but uh yeah it it was just it wasn't a horror movie that was my biggest problem with it it was just like the whole thing is kind of an adventure story like they're yeah. just like I, I was expecting them to wrap up this whole time like uh, this whole story of them escaping from prison and go on to do other fucked up shit and that never happened the, the guy who ended up being Leatherface thought the nurse betrayed him so he ended up killing her in the end and that was like the big climax of the movie and then the last shot was him sewing the leather face and like I remember while that was happening I was like if they fucking black out to credits after, right after this I'm going to be so mad even though I knew that was what was right. going to happen yeah Ugh. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so not good alright well let's get into the lightning round lightning round lightning round is a segment of the show where we pitch a remake on the remake that we just watched so if we were to remake the origin story Leatherface how would that look Cindy would you start the clock we got to go back and see what happened to the mom to make her the way that she was so we're going back another generation, yeah, like baby. steampunk, like Jack yeah, the Ripper. What? <laughs> I don't think it was that I long ago. What you? Fucking Origins. <laughs> a steam-powered <laughs> chainsaw. That's cool. <laughs> and they're all wearing, like, top hats with goggles on. on. Yeah, yeah, great. <laughs> Funky mustaches and the corsets. That's that's a thing. Yeah. So, uh, 1818, foggy London town. Uh, there lived... <laughs> A family of Texas rednecks. <laughs> and they rode their jalopy all around town, causing havoc with their steam-powered chainsaws. What do you guys think? Yeah, that's it. Good Genius. job. Good job. <laughs> nothing, to, nothing to add? No, I think you pretty much nailed it on the head there. Really? Yeah. We could go back further even to, like, oh. cavemen. Oh, I wasn't going to go that far. The Texas Rock Massacre. Mm. Okay, what if Leatherface gets sent back in time to the medieval ages with his chainsaw? He's going around murdering people, and like they make him a king, and he fucks his own great 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 grandmother. Interesting. Leatherface in time. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And then yeah, that would be fun, because uh, he could go back like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and like go steal Abraham Lincoln's face. Yeah. And go get Gandhi's face. Yeah, he's like face collecting. He's a kid. He's making a Facebook. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, that's yeah. Now you're talking. <laughs> that's great. Based on the true story of Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> 
<laughs> the making of Facebook. Yeah, so then we insinuate that really Mark Zuckerberg is a time-traveling Leatherface. I mean, they sent Jason to space. Why can't we send Leatherface back in time is all I'm, I, I'm saying. For, actually, in Jason X is kind of fun. The one in space, it kind of works. Yeah. It's fun. It's very silly. But if yeah. you don't take it too seriously. Oh, but we will. <laughs> we'll make that mistake over and over again. <laughs> but yeah, that sounds fun. So what is it? Leatherface in time? Colon the social network? <laughs> yeah, the, the true <laughs> story of how the social network got started. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. All right, lightning round. Lightning round. So that was fun. All right, well, that's the show. Happy Halloween, everybody. I hope you are spending this Tuesday in spooky fashion. Yeah. With all kinds of cobwebs and spiders and skeletons and vampires and Frankensteins. And um, that's all the spooky things I can think of. Oh, jack-o'-lanterns. Don't forget those. But check us out on Twitter. Check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes. Rate, review, subscribe if you would. Don't check out the new Leatherface, but do check out the 1974 Texas Chainsaw Massacre as it, it is, is fucking awesome. Cute. All right. See you later. I like the little children maybe wearing leather. I like the little children maybe wearing leather. I like the little children maybe wearing leather.